Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Vicki Fisher. Vicki is president of the International Cat Association, known as TICA. For many years, Vicki shared her love of animals with a busy career in finance and management. Upon her retirement, she has been able to devote more time to her passion. As president of the Albuquerque Kennel Compadres, a friends of the Albuquerque Animal Welfare Department, she works to better the shelter life for homeless animals and just recently received the Albuquerque Mayor's Good Samaritan Award for this work. An all-breeds senior cat show judge for the International Cat Association, Vicki travels the world, both judging cats and educating young and not so young about the wonders of cats as companion animals and how to properly care for them. Vicki has authored two coloring books for children, both teaching children proper care and respect for cats. The more current coloring book was recently translated and printed in Spanish. She's president of TICA and treasurer of the Wynn Feline Foundation, which has funded millions of dollars of significant feline health research studies. I'd also like to acknowledge that TICA was a sponsor of the very first online cat conference this year that we ran. So thank you so much, and thank you for joining me, Vicki, on our show today. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. So before we dive into this fantastic background that you have, how did you get started with your passion for cats and get involved in, with International Cat Association? Well, it actually started with tropical fish, but that's the long story. (laughs) I've always been an animal lover, and when Larry and I were married many, many zillion years ago, he was a big animal lover, too. So, you know, we we got into feeding cats outside the door, and pretty soon the outside the door became inside the house, and and we've just always had cats ever since we were married. And one thing led to another, and we ended up in the cat fancy and, and sharing our passion for cats with with a whole bunch of people all over the world. So you have experience showing cats as well as judging? Oh, yes, ma'am. Uh, yes. We showed cats for many, many years, and my favorite breed is, is the Maine Coon cat, which is America's native cat and the official state cat of the state of Maine. It's, I think, the only, only breed to be an official state cat. And uh, we call, they're called the Gentle Giants and very, very dog-like breed. And those are our buddies, and we've had them for many, many years. We enjoy our boys. That's great. So can you tell me a little bit about the International Cat Association, or TICA? When did it get started, and what, what does it do specifically? Uh, my understanding is it's a, it exists, like, all around the world and has tremendous membership. If you can just share with me more of the specific details of the of TICA, that would be fantastic. Sure. The International Cat Association is we the short version is we're like AKC. We're a cat registry and uh unlike AKC which is which which is really a US based uh, organization, we 
though we are based in the U.S. We are in a, like 104 countries. So we bring cat lovers all over the world together, register cats, and we sanction shows. People can will bring their cats to show. They can be non-pedigreed or pedigreed. That's one of the unique things about us is that uh, that we we just want people to have fun showing their cats and enjoying their cats. Some people don't want to be breeders. Some do. So we we just feel we have a place for everybody. But you know, basically, we are a, we are a registry, and uh, we also do a significant amount of of education and outreach, and especially with children, trying to you know educate children in in the value of of cats as companion animals and how to take care of them. So we've we've got uh, we've got a, a lot of work to do. Hmm. So you also work uh, or volunteer with the Albuquerque Kennel Compadres. So it sounds like you're sort of on the ground as well as up in the balcony with with Tika. How do those two roles interrelate with one another? Well, you know, I think among other things, we it gives us a chance to to uh, to share different perspectives. I think, you know, from my standpoint, uh, as being president of a, of a international cat registry, um, one of the things about working so closely with the local shelter is that, you know, I have a really really good feeling for the kinds of struggles and concerns and issues that, you know, are at the everyday hands-on level, especially on the cat side. You know, at the moment, I I just got finished ordering a bunch of dog beds for the shelter, but, um, you know, we do a lot of of things for the cats, and we, we fund the foster program. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that actually... Our existence has been so key in is being able to help with the fostering of the many, many litters of kittens that come in, and we're coming up to that time of year again. So I think from the shelter standpoint, you know, they they understand and they appreciate the beautiful breeds, and then I, on the other hand, can appreciate the real struggles that that they have and in uh, especially working with the cats and getting cats adopted. So have you and many of the people that you've worked with in Tika, do you all in general support trap-neuter return or trap-neuter release? You know, I have not heard any of our members speak against it. Um, You know, I personally am all for trap-neuter release. You know, I've personally made contributions. Our organization, the the Albuquerque Kennel Compadres, has funded trap-neuter release programs both at the shelter and through private rescue organizations here in town. And I think generally I, I think we all support that as being a good program and a good solution. Before we uh, started recording, we were having a really interesting conversation about what you know. You sound like you have an incredible knowledge, much more than I do, with regards to different breeds, the history around breeds and how they've developed, and and their history about sort of the alley cats of the world, or you know how they've how many of these breeds that that we sort of cherish now originally started out as, as alley cats. You had talked about in Japan, Taiwan, Turkey. I was wondering if you could maybe pick a few different breeds and share with us some of the history around them. 
sure. It, it is kind of a fun thing. You know, we talk about, you know, all the fancy breeds, if you will, but many of those breeds, in fact, are the alley cats of their countries. And if we go back to my, my Maine Coon, the state, uh, the official state cat of the state of Maine, the Maine Coon was basically, the, you know, just the alley cat, if you will, of the East Coast. It was one of the very first show cats in the United States, and people used to take them to county fairs, and they would show their cats along with their jams and jellies and pies and cakes and, and you know, knitting and what have you. That was the origin of the Maine Coon. It was a breed that was very, very common in the, on the East Coast. The other things like the Turkish van, for instance, the, the swimming cat of Turkey. Again, as you, you can find your uh, uh, Turkish vans uh, actually in, in zoos, if you will, in Turkey. There, it's, it's a breed that the country embraces and, and wants to keep, considers it to be unique to that country and a, and a special cat. The other ones that uh, we talked about, I think, before the show were the, well, the Japanese bobtail, which is very, very common in Japan, so much so that that when the Japanese bobtail became a recognized breed uh, subject to pedigree in the cat fancy, the Japanese were probably some of the last to really recognize that as being a legitimate breed because to them it was it was the basically the alley cat of their country. We have the Chartreux, which is was the alley cat of the of France. We have, and still going on, a very, very interesting exercise in in Thailand where people in Thailand, small groups of people, have worked really, really hard to preserve the native breeds, the native alley cats, if you will, of Thailand. Uh, we have a breed called the Kalmani, Cal- which is a white cat. Uh, we have the original Burmese, the original Siamese, which we've taken into the cat fancy and called the Thai cat. But there are many, many countries around the world where there is an active effort to maintain and preserve these these unique cats of those areas. So it's really, it's really, really interesting. Um, while there's while there are some man-made breeds, uh, many of them, in fact, started out as the alley cats of their particular countries or locations around the world. Are you new to the Community Cats podcast? Don't know what to listen to first? Feel free to check out the listening module tab where we have grouped shows together by topic so you can listen to a bunch of shows around the same topic. Just click on the listening module tab at www.communitycatspodcast.com and enjoy learning about community cats. Have you spoken with your vet about the Feline Fix by Five Months campaign? Fix by Five is a program to raise awareness about the importance of getting kittens fixed before they are five months old in order to prevent unplanned litters. Fix by Five has now been endorsed by all the major national veterinary organizations. We urge you now to make sure that your vet has this information and is able to share it with clients. To get the full story, check out Fix by Five Months website. Google Fix by Five to get all the information. Again, Google Fix by Five for free vet info packets, media kits, articles, and more. Remember, Fix by Five saves lives. I think that's really interesting. And talking about the sort of historical way that some of these breeds kind of grown up 
throughout the years. And then you talked a little bit about man-made breeds, which is a newer, you know, element in sort of the game of, of breeding cats, I guess. And in my mind, maybe it's a little scarier, but maybe, maybe not so much. I don't know about, know much about that. Well, you know, um, it's, it's interesting. There's so many, I mean, you know, most people are more familiar with dogs and the dog breeds. And there's, you know, well over 150, 60, 70 breeds of dogs, maybe even more. And, you know, there's less than half that of, of cats and many more differences, too, in the breeds, the, the, the dog breeds, if you will. Much, much bigger range of sizes and, and shapes, I think, than, than in the cats. You know, the cats are basically about you know, a certain size and a certain body shape. And, you know, we don't have the the variety of the Great Pyrenees down to the Chihuahua, if you will, and the cat fancy. They're a little bit more unique. So as an association with your breeders, are there ways to ensure that all the breeders attain certain standards? Well, you know, we have we have breeding standards and you know, we do we do have some care standards. You know, the breeding standards is is just like the dogs. We do have written standards for every breed and you know, obviously the intent is to perfect the the confirmation of the breed. So every every breed of course has a has a standard and you know, part of part of the judging is not only the the you know, confirmation, but also the condition. And so, you know, you're looking for healthy animals that exhibit certain traits. And one of the things that we have found over the years is the fact that now we have a lot more opportunity. Science has given us a lot more opportunity to make sure that cats that are bred in fact, are healthy and passing along good genes, if you will. There are so many more opportunities that we have now to to test for specific illnesses, characteristics, defects, etc., genetic issues, and more and more of our breeders now are taking advantage of those to make sure that you know the animals that that are being bred, in fact, are healthy and good representations of the of the breed. And in fact, Tika's got some some nice partnerships, if you will, with some some uh, companies that do testing. Have been encouraging our breeders more and more to take advantage of those. One one of the things that we have found over the years is that you know there's a lot of there's a lot of information out there about dogs and for dogs, and there's a lot less for cats. You know, so one of the things that we've really, really tried to do is find our way into the scientific community and be able to partner and help to increase the the research and the study of, of cats and issues with with gen, or genetic issues and health issues in cats specifically. Because most of the money goes to the dogs. It doesn't the cats have not gotten the same uh, respect, if you will, and and don't, have not had the same perceived value that dogs have over many many years, and you know we've been trying to change that up a little bit. Right, right. No, that's that's very interesting, and trying to, you know, I find that too, actually, and and why I started the Community Cat Podcast was because I couldn't find anything about free roaming cats, you know, from a podcast standpoint. 
and I'm, I spend a lot of time in my car and I want to listen to things. And there was very little about cats. There's a lot about cat care, but very, mm-hmm. but it's very surfacey. I find not necessarily a deep dive. You know, you're not going to find a podcast about FIP, you know, a deep dive into it really. And right. um, I just think that there's a lot of information out there that, that needs to get out. You know, when I did the online cat conference a few a few months ago, when and I believe you know you were there and listening in periodically throughout the weekend. I mean, we did a pretty deep dive on ringworm and talking about ringworm and finding out the details on that. And it's you know I'd like to have that opportunity to be able to get as much information out about cats as possible. Absolutely. You know, we've had we've had researchers come to us and say. You know, we, is there, you know, can we partner? Is there something you can help us with? Because, you know, we have, we have so much exposure to, to the dogs and resources, you know, concerning dogs, but we just don't have the same level of money, interest, access, et cetera, to cats. And mm-hmm. so we have, over the past couple of years or so, have found that there are more and more opportunities for us to be able to partner and get that kind of information out. Now, if I was a shelter in my local community and say I wanted to try and form a relationship with any sort of any of the members, the groups, is there a, a way for people to find out, like, if there is a local group in the area just to be able to communicate and synergize together in order to help cats in their community? Well, you know, a lot of our clubs uh, have relationships with local shelters and rescue groups. Our club here in Albuquerque, the Enchanted Cat Club, we have two groups that we work with. One is called Fat Cats, and the other one is uh, New Mexico Animal Friends, and they support our cat shows. They come to our cat shows. They bring cats for adoption. They enter some of those cats for adoption in our in the show and actually show them for for ribbons and what have you, and promote the shows and whatever profit we may make from the show, we basically donate between the two of them. We were just at an event here not too long ago. Oh, it was in Houston. Just had a big show in Houston, and the event was actually in Deer Park, and there was a local shelter there, and in the course of the show, I believe they adopted out every cat and kitten that they had brought to the show. I think there were 17 or 20 adoptions that came out of that show. Many, many, many of our shows do the same thing. They have a relationship with local one or two or three local rescues, cat rescues or shelters, and provide space for adoption, space for education, soliciting donations, and what have you, and develop and cherish those those relationships, you know, anything we can do to help out. So right. it's very, very common. So to your to your question is that, yeah, if you go to our TICA website, TICA.org, on the opening page, there's a calendar, a show calendar off to the right-hand side. And if you scroll down the show calendar, you can see where our shows are all over the world, including Israel and Russia, but all over the United States, you can see those, and typically there will be contact information. 
So if, um, you know, if someone happens to see a show in their local neighborhood, they could always contact the show manager, the show, the show team, and see whether or not they can forge some type of relationship with them to, to help each other out with the, with the cats. That's great. So I also noticed in your bio that you are treasurer of the Wynn Peabody Foundation. Would you be willing to share with us a little bit of details about what that organization does? Oh, yeah. Wynn is the only, only charitable organization that funds exclusively uh, health research for cats. People are familiar with like Morris Morris Foundation, but Morris funds research for a lot of different different types of animals. All that's good, but when Feline Foundation is is only affecting research on cats, we have had over the years. I mean, we funded millions of dollars of research and really important research. You know, because because of Wynn's funding, you know, we have feline leukemia vaccines and tests. You know, we have some real, real breakthroughs. It's funny you mentioned FIP. We work very, very closely with Dr. Peterson. Uh, he was our guest speaker and uh, at our, our big symposium last year and really, really excited about some of the research that seems to be zeroing in on some cures, if you will, uh, for FIP, various types of FIP. But we've been involved also in ringworm studies. You mentioned ringworm, mm-hmm. ringworm studies in shelter environments, and, you know, all sorts of heart-related type studies, cardiomyopathy-type studies, various kidney-type issues, it, all sorts of things, but, but only work that has to do with cats. So if somebody makes a donation to Win Feline Foundation, that's that's going to go into cat research, to health research, and some very very important research has been funded over the years. We're real proud of it. Great. Well, I think it's very interesting that it's you know the it's the only uh, feline only. I I I think that we are of the age now where it's important for us to have feline only events. Um, yep. We have a conference coming up in New York in May called Cat Camp, which is a cat-only conference in New York City that's being run uh, by Jackson Galaxy and some folks from Yow Parlor. And uh, I think it's just it's high time that we have feline and cat-only dedicated events because there's so many topics that need to be covered. I just think it's impossible to do it in a an animal conference that where you have your different tracks. I think you need multiple cat tracks to be able to cover yeah, all the different I, components. I agree, and that's been our experience, too. About three years ago, we, we decided that, uh, as far as the International Cat Association was concerned, that, you know, we needed to be out into the, into the communities, the veterinary communities, because, again, it's one of those things where the veterinarians, uh, everything is so focused on dogs, and there's so much information on dogs. I mean, we thought, okay, well, let's get a cat presence out there. Let's let's get ourselves out amongst the veterinarians. And actually, the first group that we went to was the American Association of Feline Practitioners, the cat vets. And uh, we were able to, we've got a wonderful relationship with them now. Uh, they were doing cat handling seminars without real live cats. And uh, so our first experience in attending one of their conferences was actually to supply cats for a cat handling lab. 
And uh, we've been doing that now for about three years. It's been a great amount of fun. But we've also found that, you know, getting out amongst uh, some of the other very large veterinary conferences, there is so little on cats. And, you know, our being able to actually, you know, talk to vets and show them show them cats, show them, show them breed, show them our information that we have, our coloring books, educational materials and things that we make available to the veterinarians, it, that's just been a wonderful boon for the cats, and it's been so appreciated. It's been so appreciated because you know, the dogs, the dogs seem to be out there, seem to be well known. But you know, the cats, we've been a little reclusive over the years, I guess. But it's time mm. for us to be out there. So, Vicky, if folks are interested in finding out more about Tika, how would they do that? Well, certainly our website's one of the one of the best places to go. And again, it's www.ticatica.org. We are we are a, a nonprofit, and uh, there's just a lot of information on that website. And um, you know, we hope folks will will come and take a look and look at that show calendar. And you know, if there is an event, if there is one of our shows near. Near folks, then uh, you know we would really, really love to have have folks come and visit, um, talk to people, see if there is some synergy that we can work out. You know, especially with the, with the clubs and local rescues, um, or you know, even help people uh, understand and and share our information and material. So, you know, we love to we love to have people come and talk cats with us the one language we seem to be able to share in all 104, 105 countries we're in. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? No. I, I, well, you know what? I think there is one thing, something, something that's brand new. And, and, again, you know, I've talked about the fact that, you know, we, we cherish both pedigree and non-pedigree cats, and we want people just to value cats as companion animals, and we want the world to value them. But one of the things that that we have just kicked off and is really kind of fun and exciting is that, you know, we're supporting therapy cats. Um, Everybody knows that there's a lot of therapy dogs out there visiting uh, hospitals and what have you, and not so many not so many cats, but one of the things that that Tika has just instituted is a therapy cat title program, and so you know we're reaching out, searching for the people that um, that have gotten their their cats into um, into therapy programs and uh, awarding them titles and and support. So it's a fun thing. It doesn't have to be a fancy cat. It can be. You know, a, a cat from the local shelter that just has the personality to, to be out there and get lots of lots of petting and hugging. So there's there's something there's something for everyone. There's lots of things that people can do with their cats, and you know, most of all, we just want people to to love them and enjoy them and keep them inside. <laughs> well, I think that's absolutely <laughs> fantastic therapy cats. My many of you know my my mom is. Uh, 85 years old, and and she does not have a cat right now, and she's a huge cat fan, and I've been working to try and find a therapy cat for her, and I've had uh, a couple of leads, but I haven't been able to put it all together yet, and I I definitely agree with you that there is a market for that, and there aren't enough cats out there to probably fill that market right now, and, and I have to work hard to try and find 
uh, a therapy cat, and I, I think I'm pretty connected in the cat world. So just think about somebody who's not so connected and wants to have mom or dad, you know, have a visit from a, a kitty every now and again. Yep, yep. Well, we've kind of partnered with pet partners. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's one thing that, that folks can probably research is pet partners. There's a very, very large pet therapy program, both dogs and cats, and I think rabbits too. So there are some some wonderful groups out there doing great work with animals. And like I say, you know, we want to get more cats out there and more people to appreciate and understand cats as companion animals. Excellent. Well, I will look them up. So, Vicki, I want to thank you so much for being a sponsor of the online cat conference as well as for joining me today and being a guest on the show. And, and I hope we'll have you on in the future. Well, that would be wonderful anytime. I love to talk cats. If you like the Community Cats podcast and would like to help promote Community Cats in your state, then we need you. We're looking for a couple of people from each state to be Community Cats ambassadors. What do you get by being an ambassador? You'll be mailed a promo kit of items to use to help promote the show at any event that you attend in your state. If you don't attend many events, hey, that's okay too. Do you have a network of people that love community cats? You can help with email and groups in your state to let them know about the CCP and offer them the benefit of community cat swag. The more we can spread the word about the show, the more we can do to help cats across the country. Please email Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com if you'd like to represent your state. Thank you. Ah!